it's a really vulnerable thing to make noise, right? To share your voice, to speak up, to be heard is a lot. And then to do that, like beyond that, to be singing, which is not something that's really a part of our culture, but it really is a part of our essence as like your animal self to like shake and move and then to make sound, like to roar. But I think just to be making sounds to get that energy out that way is really good for us. <laughs> so here it goes. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's eye. And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Welcome to Crazy Wisdom. I'm your host, Luke Antrop. Crazy Wisdom is our show about the wild, the unexpected and interesting places we find ourselves in during our quest to live a life of deeper meaning and deeper truth. My hope is with each conversation and each story, you discover a new part of yourself on your journey towards making the most out of this one wild and precious life. This is a Soulfire production. Well, I'm thrilled to be joined on this week's show by Elizabeth Stanley. Elizabeth is an actress, a performer. She has one of the most beautiful and powerful voices I've ever come across. And as you'll see and hear soon, she has such a deep soul. So welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you, my longtime friend. So long. <laughs> so long. I was trying to think about that. How long? Like maybe the 1980s? Yeah, probably. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm trying not to say my old friends, but like in some ways I'm like, that's also starting to be true. Um, but yeah, I know we go way back. Way back, way back to childhood friends. We, we essentially grew up on stage together yeah. in a small town in Western Illinois. And yeah, good, good to see you again. My mm -hmm. friend who's been just to, so this crazy wisdom audience knows a little bit more about you. You're a Tony-nominated Broadway actress, won a Grammy, doing amazing stuff. You know, you've originated several characters on Broadway and just a powerful performer, but also, as I said in the intro, like a really deep, deep human. You know, I'd love to just talk a little bit about some of the characters you've brought to life, but I'd also really love to understand a little bit more about how you relate to your role as a performer and what, how that's really informed of your own evolution as a human and, and your own meaning making. How's that sound? I love it. I can't wait. <laughs> good, good, good. So I say now anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this audience understands a little bit more about what you've been up to in the world. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your journey, a few of the roles that have meant something to you, especially maybe this most recent one uh, in Jagged Little Pill. How's that sound? Yeah, happy to. Well, so as Luke mentioned, I, I was like always very interested in the arts and um, it felt like kind of like a a welcoming place for weirdos, which I is a title I gladly claim. Um, yes, and, uh, you know, and so then I went to school and I studied classical music uh, because I was also like such a 
very studious and nerdy academic. Like I, you know, I, so I liked the very black and white of there's a right and a wrong way to do classical music. It was sort of comforting to me as a teenager. Um, but then as I like came into my own, once I was at school, I was like, oh, I, that's icky for art. I don't like that. Um, <laughs> and so I, I became friends with more of the, um, you know, not less classical folks. And so I, I found my way eventually into musical theater. Um, and so then I moved to New York and started pursuing that. I did a lot of like regional work. And after I'd been here in New York for, uh, about six years, I made my Broadway debut. And so I would say like my, my first Broadway show, which was the revival of, uh, the Stephen Sondheim musical company mm-hmm. was probably like the most special thing for me. And, and until I did my most recent Broadway show, which is Jagged Little Pill. And they're, they're very different experiences, but, um, at this moment in my life, the most impactful and meaningful to me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an evolution of being an artist, right? Like I feel like I'm always transforming and, and trying to say like, don't, that doesn't define me. I'm not just this. I'm also that. And, um, and continuing to take class and learn and be humbled. And, um, so that's, that's sort of like the nutshell of the journey. I'd love to just understand a little bit more, you know, this most recent role was just, uh, wow, what a, what an incredible piece of art. So Jagged Little Pill is, you know, the musical is based on Alanis Morissette's album and her music, but it's, <laughs> it is set in this very kind of intense of the moment that we're in kind of story arc of suburban Connecticut, I think, is that right? Yeah. 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 And this family, and it brings in all sorts of layers of of race and gender violence and sexual assault and, you know, opioid addiction and just really meeting the moment and and a beautiful statement about the moment we're in right now and what, you know, the challenges of this culture set to, uh, (laughs) set to a soundtrack of, of an album that, you know, you and I grew up with. So, and your role in that was, was the lead of the matriarch of this family. And, you know, live theater has been something that's touched my soul in a really deep way and boy does this ever rank as as like a pretty significant kind of contribution to musical theater and and just really touched me in a deep way and I hope others can find that piece of art so yeah I'd just love to understand a little bit more about you know what that was like bringing that character to life and you know your your own journey with this particular musical yeah so I um I was asked to submit a self tape for it which at that moment, like now, that's all I ever do. Um, no one auditions in person anymore, practically. But um, at that moment, it was kind of unusual. And I remember saying to my agents, like, why aren't they seeing people in person? Because as a theater actor, I like being, you know, the energy of other like human beings in the room. Um, and they were like, I don't know, people's schedules are too tricky. So I had like two big monologues from the show to prepare and then the song Forgiven. And it was at a time in my life I lived by myself and I didn't have other work at the moment. So I was able to just like dive in and spend, you know, 24 hours like working on it, sent my tape in. And then this was, this was really just an audition for like the developmental lab, which is the thing that happens with theatrical productions. Like, you know, first someone writes something, then they share it with people and then they read it. And then they invite actors to sit around a table and read it. And then they keep working on it. And then, then they're like, okay, we're going to do it just where people are walking around and acting it out, but like with no costumes and no sets, you know? So this is 
this was that stage of like, we're just going to, it'll look like we're just rehearsing it, but we'll invite a lot of fancy, important people who will hopefully give us money to like do it again somewhere. So that was the first dip in, um, which is now like five or six years ago that that happened. And I just, I loved right away, like Diablo Cody's writing is so funny, which helps this subject matter to be palatable, right? I think like that's one of her gifts as a writer is like writing about real life, which is almost always like pretty awkward and uncomfortable. (laughs) And so I liked that juxtaposition because it felt very real. But then, you know, I was like, so what is it like? Like, I don't personally have experience with opioid addiction, but I, I really wanted to be respectful in the portrayal of that. So I did a lot of asking questions and researching and reading books and talking to people who experienced it themselves, had relatives that experienced it, um, you know, and then also drawing on myself because like, I do know what it's like to be addicted in whatever, to whatever level, right. To lots of things, um, in our contemporary world. Also, I'm not a survivor of sexual assault in the way that this character is, but I certainly know what it's like to have been in sexual encounters that I regretted or were murky or, you know, didn't end the way I (laughs) would have liked. Or, um, so, you know, it's pulling on those experiences for myself. Um, and then another big hook into this character for me was that she was so obsessed with what are people thinking of me? How do I look? What is the appearance? What is the, you know, the sheen? And I, I'm not to the level that I think this character was, but certainly as an actor, like we're very aware of like, how are you presenting? What, you know, you're always, you're getting feedback on like, well, this seemed like that, you know? So it's just like, that is a part of what it is to be an actor in some ways. And then I definitely, as I shared before with my, like, I liked things to be black and white and I liked the, you know, I like to have straight A's. There's a part of me that will always, you know, struggle. Can I just get the A minus and that'll be fine. Like you don't have to get the extra credit A plus, um, you know, and that's as since becoming a parent, I just like, it's so painfully obvious to me how much that is one of my struggles to like, let, let go of that. But that was very useful in, um, hooking into this character. (laughs) Right. Right. So just channeling your own experience into bringing this character to life in a really, really deep, powerful way. So the show had kind of a false start in that it got up and running a lot of critical acclaim, 15 Tony nominations, and then COVID hit. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just a really kind of unfortunate timing, right? And then you all were able to revive it a bit after COVID and it closed recently. I was just curious the experience of, you know, what that was like. I'm guessing that there's maybe some sadness or pain involved <laughs> in the short, in some way, short run. It, yeah. It was it was a kind of a classic COVID casualty in that sense, yes? Yeah, a hundred percent. It was really painful. Um, you know, for me, it was such a an exciting opportunity, a really like high career moment, having been in the industry for 20 years and um worked really consistently and and been really grateful for the work I've done, but I've done a lot of supporting roles. So this was like a leading role in a, in a show that I really loved also, because sometimes there are shows that you're like, well, this is just not, doesn't speak to me in the same way, but this was like really meant something. So yeah, when, when the bottom dropped out, it was just like, whoa, 
oh my God. And, you know, as I was sharing with you before we got started, like I just got engaged also like January of 2020. So, and Charlie and I would like, we'd be like laying in bed. Literally, we would say this almost every day, like things are so wonderful right now. I'm so grateful. I mean, I know this is not sustainable, but I just have to say it like it's really good. And then, <laughs> and then it was really bad. Yeah. So it was scary. I think I'm used to being out of work as an actor. Like that's a part of this world. Like you, things end and they begin and then new things happen. But just the undefined loss, which then just kept going on and on and on, um, was really painful. And then it was really painful, um, to have it get going again and feel like we're doing it. And, and I had a baby in between there. So I felt like Herculean in coming back, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, all of the things that were in place, all of the people that helped all of the work that we all did to make it work. And I, and then at that point I was sharing the role with a friend, which was also so wonderful. And, and, you know, we had to fight for that. And, and the fact that it was like all working, um, then to have it kind of all come crashing down again was, was really, really disheartening. Um, I was just thinking about that like a year ago, like around Christmas time, I would be like riding the subway with my four month old baby to go get COVID tested every day so that I could do the show. And even though the show, I'm so sad it closed, there have been other opportunities and I'm grateful that things feel a lot more calm a year later. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I, I feel sad just that it's not, you know, it's not out in the world in the way that it was. I know there's some regional tours or national tours and, you know, it's still finding its way to people. But I, again, as I said, I just feel like it's such a beautiful piece of art that it deserved, it, it deserved its time to really touch people in the way that it touched me. So they're certainly sad to see it not fully yeah. take root in that moment. But, um, my my hope is that it'll continue to find its way to people. Yeah. I hope so too. Yeah. I think that was, I mean, thank you for saying that. Cause I think that was one of the big pieces of, oh, I really felt like this mattered. You know, so many people after the show would reach out and say like, whoa, that was my life or this, I had this conversation with this person in my family afterwards. And as artists, that's the work that we want to do. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, that's it. Right. Maybe that's like a good segue. So that that's the the jagged little pill uh, chapter is is in some ways closed, and um, but it's I think it's just such a great representation about what performance art can be, what what theater can be, in the way that we use we embody these characters to evoke an experience in those around us, right? And mm -hmm. there's something really for me. There's always been something just transcendent about that experience you know when i met you we were maybe maybe 10 years old i don't know it was a <laughs> yeah. long time ago transcendent our performances were <laughs> yeah well but there's this way in which like i remember as a young kid you know creating a character and the thing that always was meaningful for me about that was the evoking emotions in others like delight or yeah. or um sadness or you know some sort of kind of wakefulness in people, right? There's a way in which um, as performers, we use our body, we use our voice to um, draw some deeper meaning out of those that are there to experience it, right? And that takes a special type of person that takes, uh, it, it, it takes training. It takes, it's, it is a craft that is like no other, but it also takes a certain type of human that can fully 
embody these characters, right? So I'm just curious. I mean, I'd love to just explore with you a little bit about what that journey has been like for you to like use your body, use your voice, use your essence to draw a sense of aliveness out of those that come to your performances. Yeah. I mean, it's one of my favorite things about it too, Mm -hmm. is that it is a way of like move, especially for me, like singing is, you know, you're moving so much energy through your body. Um, and so it's, it is very, I think like healthy and cathartic and, um, necessary for, for many of us, probably even for a lot of us who don't do it, but like it, you know, it's really, it's a great way of, of moving your energy around. And then I think that that is, there's a transference, right. That happens that then if you're the, in the audience, you, it, it can unlock something in you that it's hard. Life is hard. It's hard to process everything that's happening to us. Right. And in the, within the moment that it's happening or, so I think that's one of the reasons that people go to the theater is, is to feel. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's to escape and to laugh and be able to forget about what's troubling you. And then I think other times it's to be able to, to process what's going on. So yeah, it's really, it's a great exercise in, in true empathy when you're creating a character and you get to go inside of it and be like, okay, why is this person thinking like that? Like, I wouldn't say that, or I don't think I would say that, but like, why would one say that? And how can I justify it? And to really get on their side of it, really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, our paths diverged. So we, we grew up kind of in the same theater and, and at some point my dream was no longer to be an actor. It was something else, right? That dream kind of shifted for me. It was just no longer the thing to do. Where I channeled that same sense of like evoking deeper meaning from people was in the path of like, you know, psychology. I was trained as a therapist. I then became a coach. And and a lot of, you know, that work, it's it's so similar in that how do you kind of facilitate or invite people into embodying parts of themselves that maybe are a bit lost, right? Like finding some aspect of themselves or my own self that I know is there, I can feel it, it has some energy in it, but it's just, it's a bit disowned, right? As I started doing that type of work, right? Like identifying lost parts of myself and all these like painful parts of the past, you know, things that happened to me that I kind of stuff in the in the shadows, some part of me already knew how to do that because I had grown up, you know, doing three, four, five shows a year. I mean, I was, it was nonstop for me. It was like, I was every few months I was bringing some character to life. I was some part of me, even I was feeling what it was like to embody that. You know, this is where I think that there's like, there is this almost like, I don't know if I want to call it like spiritual path, but there's this there is this way in which um, performance can help us being performers in whatever way that is. It helps us kind of really live from more wholeness in a certain way. Mm. Do you relate to this idea or how does this, how does this sound to you? Oh yeah. I mean, I think about it a lot of like how my life would be different if I hadn't pursued this, you know, and, and I may have gone down a path similar to yours. Right. So Mm -hmm. I may have ended up in sort of a similar life place anyway, for me. And it seems like for you too, it's like imperative to do that 
excavating of the Mm -hmm. self, right? Like I'm just continually curious about like, well, why do I feel that way? And what does that mean? And like, I've been going to my own therapy for, I don't know, almost 15 years. Right. (laughs) And at one point I asked my therapist, I was like, okay. And, and she was, you know, and she said, yeah, in my opinion, some people come to, they seek out therapy because they're going through something very specific that they just want to work through that thing. And then, and then they kind of move on. You know, she said like, you are a continually curious person. So it's like sort of this check-in, this exploration of self, um, and, and understanding of others around you, right. Also, and, and how you interact with them and, and she's like, and you are, you know, in an industry which is always changing and causing anxiety. Mm-hmm. So, like, of there's course. also that. Yeah. But the pursuit of embodying character or like really being like in a creative flow is a very spiritual practice because it, it's like, you know, forces you to look at ego, to look at divinity, to look at the natural world, to be really, really like open hearted and vulnerable, um, you know, to create something and share it with someone is really vulnerable, right? Like even if it's craptacular, like even more (laughs) so if it's craptacular, right? But like, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. So it is deeply spiritual to me. Yeah, it certainly takes an unusual amount of bravery to create in this way um, because of the vulnerability, because of the eyes on you, you know, yeah. How has psychotherapy impacted you as a performer, as an artist? I I mean, it's been amazing. Like, Mm. I think it it like has freed me so much. When I took acting class when I was in college, like I just was like, okay. Like, I just kind of didn't get it. Like, I was trying to really understand it and I was trying to really, you know, do what was being taught, but it just kind of didn't click because I was really, I mean, you know, not that any of us can ever escape it completely, but I was really not able to not care what I looked like and not care what people were thinking and, and, you know, just embrace being naive or unknowing, um, or ugly, you know, like all those things that I think really make for good art. I wasn't quite ready to like go that deep. I think most of what helped me get there was psychotherapy. Like I think it was also helpful to just be in classes with other artists, you know, as I aged and went through different life experiences, but, but really like digging deep and getting to understand myself so that then I was in the driver's seat of like choosing what to reveal in an artistic moment or in a rehearsal room. Um, Cause I knew what demons were lurking in there. You know, I wasn't going to be surprising myself probably too much. Um, though there's always new, there are always new things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, really, I mean, really, really helpful. Also helpful just in terms of being able to look beyond self and so the resilience that it takes to to stay in an industry where you're constantly being told no and, um, you know, you're being rejected. Like, you have to have some self-care practices in place of like, okay, how do I not take that as personal feedback, right? Like, that's just, okay, that's not what they're looking for. And then also, you know, people would ask me a lot when I was doing 
the role of Mary Jane, like, and this is Mary Jane in Jagged Little Pill. This is yes, young. who really was like on the brink, and and she, you know, she overdoses, and she's it's like a very very heavy time in this this woman's life. I'm like, how do you do that night after night? And you know, part of it was that I knew what was me and what was the character, and I didn't get them confused, right? And and part of that was that I was able to say, like, I think this is an important story to tell, and I want to stay healthy so that I can tell it. Because if I let myself like go into a path of unhealthiness, then like I'm I won't be able to tell this story anymore. And and that's not useful to anyone, right? So Wow. And I think it's it's useful to have someone or some place or some practice where you sit down every week or you sweat it out every week or you whatever it is mm-hmm. um, to just touch base with you so that you stay very clear. Yeah. Yeah. So important. There's the self-care piece. There's also just the, as you mentioned, like there's a, when we've examined, kind of turned over every little rock in our own body, mind and psyche there's a way in which we we can access our own vulnerability and rawness in a way that isn't so scary and it, it's just it's more readily available there's more life force available for us right so i think there, it, it, i can imagine that as a performer that being very useful i'm curious you know like i saw you a few times in this role in jagged little pill and i mean every time i saw you there were like tears dripping off your chin every night, like, just like, you know, this is deep emotion. Right. And, um, it's, it's just, um, fascinating to me. And it's just so, um, such a beautiful thing to see someone feel so deeply night after night and evoke such emotion from so many people. I just, I marvel at it. I'm so curious, like, how do you do that as a performer? I mean, literally like, Tears dripping off your chin on a nightly basis. What does that require in one to be able to do that? I had to get a lot of sleep when I was doing that show. Mm-hmm. So that was just like a boring answer. Was that like uh, um, I had to be rested? Yeah. Um, I think I slept more like nine hours every night when I was doing that show. So um, who knows how sustainable that would have been once parenthood um, happened? But. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like finding some part of it that just like you connect it to something that gets you in your own life, you know, and you're like, and it's lucky, like in this particular, like in Jagged Little Pill, like there's this scene where she's actually like waiting outside of this church for her dealer to come because she's just like, she's trying to quit and she can't. And, and, but it's cold. And so she just goes inside and then all of a sudden she's like in a church and it's like, you know, very triggering of like her whole past and her Catholic upbringing and all these secrets she's, you know, holding. And, um, so she kind of has this confession with God and like, for me, like that is just so deeply resonant. I mean, I, I, I wasn't brought up Catholic and I don't, I don't have a, uh, like a negative baggage kind of relationship with God, but I, I like deeply connected to a higher power. So I just get those moments of like, because I've been there, right. When you're just like on your knees, it's just like, I really don't know what else to do, but I know there's something bigger than me. And so I'm, I'm bringing it to that. That moment was always pretty easy for me to get to because of like my own personal relationship with spirit. And then I will say it's a small cheat, but like in a musical, you know, music is so 
emotional. And so anytime there's like music or underscoring, it, it also like is triggering to your emotions in terms of like, it's like this little train that you ride and then you're like, oh, I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, this is why in all of my practices, guided practices and retreats, I'm always, there's always a soundtrack because music takes us places. It does something to the soul and to the mind that evokes emotion in a way that other things can't, right? And um, such a necessary ingredient for me. Beautiful. I think about my own journey around some of this and, you know, there was a period, I don't know, about five or six years ago and I was spinning my wheels a bit, not in a great place in my life. And my marriage was ending and I had some health issues and it was like thyroid, right? Right in the throat, right in the throat. And not uh, feeling like I was really expressing myself in the way that I wanted to was not, you know, I was, I was really struggling, kind of feeling trapped in my life. And I just, you know, I just remember the feeling of like tight throat and, you know, shallow breath and feeling a little off and fuzzy and sick and low. And um, the conditions of my life weren't great. And it was just so impacting my body. And I remember maybe we traded some messages or something. And I just remember you, you made a comment about like, oh yeah, the old throat chakra <laughs> <laughs> yeah. being a bit blocked. And, you know, I mean, this, so this is the idea, right? Moving things through our body, whether a performer or whether it's in this psychotherapeutic approach or a coaching setting or a yogic setting, like there's a thing that when stuff gets hung up and stuck in our body mind, it starts to impact us physically. It, it really can kind of F us up in a way, right? And this is where I get really curious about like, you know, performance is in and of itself a way to just, as you say, like move a massive amount of energy through our system, emotion, feeling. Um, those of us that aren't performing regularly, there's things we, I would say, all humans need to do to keep the kind of system clean. For me, that period, the thing that really helped me, like open my throat chakra, as you say, I found Kundalini yoga, right? And um, in Kundalini yoga, there's a lot of mantra chanting. It's not something I'd ever done before. But to chant and essentially sing for mm -hmm. an hour a day, wow, did that open things up, not just in my throat, but my whole being of being able to really like, again, return to this place of feeling like emotions flow freely through me. Yeah. I'm curious, kind of any reflections you have about this idea, you know, especially around the throat as a vocalist, as a performer with just such a, just a powerful, beautiful voice. Like um, what, any reflections about this idea? All of that makes so much sense to me. And I, I think that it's, a, it's one of the things I talk about when I um, like give masterclasses with students, you know, I'm like, it's, it's a really vulnerable thing to make noise, right. To share your voice to speak up, to be heard is, is a lot. And then to do that in a, like beyond that, to be singing, which is not something that's really a part of our, our culture. I mean, like we consume music in terms of like the radio, but, or the radio, how old am I? Um, who listens <laughs> to the radio anymore? Um, but you know, like, but we don't like communally make music. Right. It's not a part of our, our everyday for most of us. Um, so it's really it feels really vulnerable, but it really is a part of our essence as like your animal self to like shake and move and then to make sound, like to roar. 
Mm. Um, and so I, yeah, I think it's, who cares what it sounds like? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just to be making sounds to get that energy out that way um, is is really good for us. <laughs> yeah. Amen to that. So are there certain things that you teach or you do yourself on a regular basis to keep things flowing? No, is the short answer. Like okay. I'm not as disciplined as I should be, but I've just been lucky that I'm always kind of working on something. So I, I don't have to like um, put something in place. And in fact, it was something like during the pandemic where I was really like, oh, I don't have the practice in place and I need it. I will do some ohms and chanting in, in terms of that. Like, it, like even if it's just brief at the end of a yoga practice or a meditation I will say like when I'm teaching and it's mostly I'm teaching, you know, students who are already studying musical theater, but often what is so helpful is to not think about how it sounds. Right. So if I, if I really am coaching someone, what I really work on is like, what's the emotion behind this? How can you hook into this character or empathize with what's happening? And, and just think about that. Just think about what is this character trying to say? And then a lot of times your body will open up and you can make sounds that you think you can't make once you stop thinking about what does this sound like? That's probably useful to anyone in terms of just like, don't worry what it sounds like, just make the sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, that was really helpful to me in the other sense when I was working on Jagged Little Pill, the, the choreographer, Siddhi Labrature Carey is like really, really renowned in, in the dance world, right? Like he choreographs a lot. Of, he works with Beyonce a lot and he's the artistic director for this Belgian ballet company. And I have never loved a choreographer more. And, you know, that's, I always wanted to take dance. It wasn't like a thing that ended up happening in my childhood. And so I, I to this day, I'm always like, well, you know, I just need some extra time to learn things. Like, Um, But he was so like, let's just see what your body naturally does. Let's just, this person, you know, is going to do this. And why don't you just react to that? So it was very organic, right? And I think we all hopefully know what that feels like to just dance with reckless abandon in your own bedroom, right? And so I think if you let yourself sing in that way too, it's like, great. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you. So as we start to bring this to a close, how do people find you? Are you, do you have anything, any upcoming events, any, any performances on the horizon? Um, well, I'm pretty bad at social media, but you can <laughs> find me at, uh, L stands. So it's E L dot S T A N S on yeah. Instagram. And that's the only place. Um, yeah, I felt like I made a commitment to not really post photos of my child. Mm-hmm. And those are the only photos I take anymore. And so <laughs> I have to get better. Um, but but you can find me there. Um, in performances, I have... This is bad because I I'm, can't think of the name of the actual theater. But I'm doing some performances, um, some cabaret performances in Palm Springs in mm-hmm. January. Okay. Um, and I'm performing with the New York pops like a year from now, like next October. Amazing. Um, and also in Boston in May, I'm, um, doing a concert version of ragtime. Oh, wonderful. So we can, we can throw some links in the show notes for people that want to, to follow you, check out one of your performances. Um, you know, I have this thought about how to bring this home. Okay. My childhood friend, the Broadway star has truly one of the most beautiful and powerful voices I've ever come across. Mm. Would you bring us home with a song? 
Okay, I'm going to try it, but I didn't warm this up. So here it goes. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite songs because um, it reminds me a lot, actually, of um, where we grew up. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's eye. And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a beautiful feeling everything's going my way. Do you want me to keep going? <laughs> yes. Always. Okay, I'll do another verse. <laughs> All the cattle are standing like statues. All the cows are standing like statues. They don't turn their heads just to see me ride by. And a little brown maverick is a wink in her eye. What a beautiful morning, oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a beautiful feeling, everything's going my way. All the sounds of the earth are like music. All the sounds of the earth are like music. The breeze is so busy, it don't miss a tree. And the old even willer is laughing at me. A beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. And I, I got a beautiful feel, and everything's going my way. Everything's going my way. Yeah. Oh. Elizabeth Stanley, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Crazy Wisdom. If you like what you heard, please do rate and review the show on whatever platform you listen. This helps new people find the show. Maybe more importantly, it helps us grow our Crazy Wisdom community. My hope for you is between now and the next time you listen, that you try one new thing, one thing that would help you live a life of deeper purpose, deeper meaning, a life of greater love. And maybe that one thing is a little different, a little odd, a little intense, perhaps even a little crazy. <laughs>